This is an FOU Studios podcast. America and welcome. This is the Chris Hahn Show. I'm your host, Chris Hahn. The truth is on the air and truthfully tonight, America. I am live on a Wednesday night and taking your calls at 631-451-1039. This is the first of many Wednesday night editions of the show, Mike, because the Islanders decided that they want to play hockey a lot on Thursdays this God year. God forbid. We're like, it's a whole, the whole month of November, is, some of February, the whole month of February, it, basically. It's insane. And look, I'm an Islander fan. One of the greatest experiences of my life was getting to know Mike Bossy, who was my childhood hero. So I'll be rooting for the Islanders, of, car, of course. But we got a lot of politics to talk about because we are six days away from the midterm elections, which will decide the control of the House of Representatives, the control of the United States Senate, and the governorships of many, many states. Very important election. Really, America, what it comes down to is uh, the president. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, pundits that don't know as much as me, uh, that are sometimes on this radio station that want to make this about other things. Uh, This election is about one man, and it's Donald Trump. Uh, The turnout numbers that we are seeing in early voting around the country and the absentee ballots we're seeing in states that don't have early voting suggests to me a midterm election turnout that may rival or surpass presidential turnout in some states. And there's only one reason for that. It's not because people are on fire about their congressional race, America. It's not because they're on fire because of their gubernatorial race, although in some states there are very hotly contested gubernatorial races. No, it's because they're on fire about the president, either pro or con. I I believe, America, that uh, it is mostly con. Uh, A lot of our prognosticators are prognosticating down the number of seats the Democrats are going to take in the House of Representatives next week, uh, the lowest being about 32, the highest being about 39. I am going to go back to my original prediction of a 40-seat pickup for the Democrats uh, next week on Tuesday. And, of course, we'll know. Very soon, if this is going to happen, if I am right, because we don't have to wait much longer, America, we're going to know. 631-451-1039 is my number. If you want to be part of the national conversation tonight, 631-451-1039. I know some of you watching me on Twitter, I've been streaming the first uh, block of my uh, broadcast on Twitter for the last couple of weeks. I got about 700 views last week, which was pretty crazy. Pretty excited about that. People calling, tweeting about it. Uh, you might not be able to hear the callers. I don't know if we've worked that bug out yet. Uh, but the people listening to me on linewsradio.com and, of course, over the air at 103.9 FM, LI News Radio on Long Island. And, of course, it's rebroadcasted in a couple of other markets around the country. Uh, they could hear everything. So, uh, And you could also hear everything in the Chris Hahn Show podcast, which will be up tomorrow on iTunes, wherever you get it. And I'll tweet it right here at, at Christopher Hahn. On Twitter, 631-451-1039 is the number. But it seems to me and to most of us in the world that the president of the United States has decided to make his closing argument about who is the most racist party in America. 
Uh, I was on the Laura Ingram show last night, Mike. I don't know if you were watching. I know uh, I know you're a big fan of TV news. I love it, but yeah. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I got to be here, and I'm going to get News 12. So, yeah. <laughs> so I was on the Ingram angle last night, and uh, I got into a big argument about uh, the meaning of the word nationalism. And a lot of people on Twitter, probably watching me right now on the stream, decided that they were going to tweet the Webster Dictionary definition of nationalism. America, uh, I'm not saying that the president was being racist by using the word nationalism, but all the racist nationalists in this country thought he was being racist. To to paraphrase Andrew Gillum, the great gubernatorial candidate uh, in Florida. Yeah, the president knew what he was doing. The president knew what he was doing. This was not an accident, the president calling himself a nationalist. He sees himself in the fight of his life to maintain control of the United States Senate. And the way he's going to do that is by exciting the base, including the fringes of his base, which are people who see the, hear the word nationalist and hear the word white in front of it. I'm sorry, Mr. President, as I said on uh, Ingram last night, that word has been co-opted. It has been co-opted and it has been appropriated by a radical fringe on the right. White nationalists who view that as their calling card, that they are the real Americans, that America is about white nationalism. So when the president says, I'm a nationalist, he's not just sending a dog whistle to those people. He is using a bullhorn to get them. Now, to all of my legitimate friends on the right, who I've been talking to on television and on the radio and other other places, to all my legitimate friends on the right, Stop trying to make nationalism a thing. I don't know. You remember the movie um, Mean Girls? Yes. The great Rachel McAdams? Of course. Okay, I actually tweeted out that clip. Mike, I should have to- had you pull it. I didn't send any uh, clips for you to pull. I'm all out of whack because it's a Wednesday show. It doesn't feel right. I've been trying to put the football. Yeah, I don't know what's going on right now. I'm like, did I, set my, did I set my fantasy football lineup? Um, you know, she says, stop trying to make fetch a thing. It's not going to be a thing. Exactly. Stop trying to make nationalism a thing right wing. Stop trying to make nationalism a thing. It's never going to be a thing. It's always going to be a racist thing. It's never going to be a legitimate thing. And it's not something you should be trying to make a thing. Okay? We're Americans. You want to say you love your country, Mr. President? Get a thesaurus and find another word. That word has been appropriated by white nationalists and Nazis. My grandparents were chased out of Germany by nationalists. My great-grandparents were murdered by nationalists in a concentration camp in Germany. My grandparents on my Italian side were chased out of Italy by nationalists. And there are white nationalists right now terrorizing African-Americans all over this country. The guy who went and shot up that synagogue in Pittsburgh was a nationalist. So, Mr. President, on the night that shooting happened, for you to go on stage and say you are a nationalist is about as pathetic a thing as I've ever seen in my life. It is about as low a thing as I've ever seen in, your, in my life. And if that's your closing argument, I have more hope. I have more hope that the Democrats are going to win more seats and bring balance to this country. Look, I don't endorse candidates, but I want to say this very clearly. You need to vote for candidates who are going to put a proper check on this president. This election is not about health care. It's not about a wall. 
It's about checks and balances, America. It is about checks and balances. It's about the Constitution of the United States. It's about Federalist 51, ambition, counteracting ambition. It's about checks and balances. We've got a president out there who thinks he could, with the stroke of a pen, overturn the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. And yes, Paul Ryan, uh, on his way out the door, decided to say, no, Mr. President, you can't do that for the first time uh, that I could remember in the last two years, because he's got no spine. He's a spineless jellyfish. But could you imagine if there was a Democratic Speaker of the House, how this would go down? Uh, Secretary Zenke's being in, uh, investigated uh, by his own inspector general, referred charges to the Justice Department. Could you imagine if the Democrats chaired the Interior Committee, the Natural Resources Committee? I think that's the one that oversees the Interior Department. Could you imagine the hearings we'd be having? What about uh, Scott Pruitt when he was at the EPA? Could you imagine the hearings? Oversight? Being a check on the president? This election's about that. And if you think it's okay for the president to use that term, nationalist, if you don't see through that horrible, horrible political calculus he's doing in his head, that it's one of the worst things a president could say, especially on the night where 11 Jews were shot down as they prayed in temple. I, I, I mean, I am dumbfounded by it. So I know a lot of people are saying, oh, it's about candidates. And, you know, if you're on one of my stations, like uh, my, my flagship here, LI News Radio, where they talk about local politics, you're talking about, well, I like the cut of this guy's jib. It has nothing to do with any of them. Nothing. If you're a Republican and you lose, don't feel bad. It's not about you. If you're a Democrat and you win, don't get too boastful. It's not about you either. It's even less about you if you're not an incumbent. It's about him. It's about Donald J. Trump and what he's doing to this country and what he believes about this country. And it is shameful. I talked to a veteran today. And the veteran asked me, I don't know what's happening to my country. I don't understand how this man can just say, I'm going to, with the stroke of a pen, change the United States Constitution. He wants to eliminate birthright citizenship, America. Um, remember when conservatives, Mike, used to say that they were all for the plain text of the Constitution? Yes. It's like the first thing in the 14th Amendment. Yes. Any person born... It's called birthright citizenship. And by the way, Donnie, I don't know that you'd be a citizen right now if we didn't have birthright citizenship. Your mom wasn't born here. And your dad's dad wasn't born here. So why does it, is it okay? Is it, is it birthright citizens for white guys? I think that's what it is, right? Only, of course. It's for white people. <laughs> no, like, he's not building a wall to stop people coming in from Scandinavia or the Netherlands. He wants to build a wall on the southern border to keep them out. He decided that this election is going to be about fear. You know, remember how they were going to say they were going to talk about, oh, we're going to talk about our tax cuts and our judges that we got on the Supreme Court. No, 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 no. They are going to talk about fear. They want you to be afraid. They, are, they want you to be afraid, America. They don't want you. They don't want you to see what's really going on. They don't want you to vote for hope. They want you to vote for fear. 
Anyway, 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. I am live. I know it's Wednesday, and I'm not usually live on Wednesday. I'm usually live on Thursday. So uh, 631-451-1039. I will be on Tucker Carlson tonight on Friday night, 8 o'clock. I'll be on Justice with Judge Jeanine Pirro Saturday night, 9.30. I wasn't on last week because of the shooting, and I was thanking God I wasn't on because I didn't even know what I would say. I was blown away by him. Um, 631-451-1039. I also have Julie Rojinski joining me at 9 o'clock. Of course, if you're streaming this on Twitter, uh, you won't be able to see her at 9 o'clock. You'll have to listen to the podcast or log on to linewsradio.com or tune in to 103.9 FM. I'll be on till 10 o'clock tonight. So uh, hopefully you'll you'll uh, pick it up and, and give it a look, give it a listen. 631-451-1039. The election is coming to a close. Six days. Here's my predictions. Democrats will pick up 40 seats in the House. Democrats will win the Senate seats in Nevada and Arizona. But they will lose the Senate seat in North Carolina. Not North Carolina, North Dakota. North Dakota. The Democrats will also have a tough time in Indiana. But I believe Claire McCaskill is going to hold on to her seat in Missouri. And I believe Nelson's going to hold on to his seat in Florida. And I believe Tester will hold on to his seat in Montana. And we know Manchin's going to hold on to his seat. So it's going to be pretty much status quo unless the Democrats can pull out a miracle victory in Texas, which, as I said before, when I watch Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz, it reminds me of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, except for Beto O'Rourke is Donald Trump. All the polls had Donald Trump down, but then he'd show up at a town and he'd get 50,000 people in an arena. People were excited about Donald Trump. People are not excited about Ted Cruz, America. Even people who like Ted Cruz hate Ted Cruz, <laughs> right? He is the worst human being on the planet. Beto O'Rourke's exciting. I don't know what's going to happen there. I haven't seen a poll in the last two weeks that suggests to me that he's going to win, but I don't know. If you get 100,000 people out to vote that normally wouldn't vote, things change. You get a million people out to vote who normally wouldn't vote, things really change. And I got to tell you, looking at these early voting numbers across the country, we are looking at a, an election where everybody's going to vote. And God bless America. I mean, that, is, that to me is, is touching. Now, I, I don't like that people are even considering voting for Republicans this year because they are not doing what the Constitution required them to do. They are not putting a check on the president of the United States. And it is what this election's about. The man is sending troops to our border to deal with a problem we've been dealing with for 30 years. There is a caravan coming into this country since the 90s. There was one last year. It starts out with 15,000 people. It ends up with about 100 guys at the border. But all right, let's spend several million dollars that we don't have. Let's just throw some more money on the fire and send 6,000 troops to the border. By the way, that's more troops than we have in Syria, you know, where there's an actual war going on. These are people coming to the United States they're coming to the United States to flee tyranny. They are not going to climb over the border fence. They're going to present themselves at the border seeking asylum, something that the president and his, you know, his also good Christian vice president, by the way, and I am calling him out as a blasphemous Christian. He's not a Christian. Mike Pence, who has never read the book of Matthew. Mike Pence, Matthew 25, 
That which you do unto the least of them, you do unto Christ. I know they tried to point that out to you yesterday at the prayer breast at breakfast, and, and you had them escorted out. You had them, not, not a prayer breakfast, it was a religious freedom meeting in Boston. And uh, two pastors, two men of, of, of God stood up and began reading Matthew 25 to you. My favorite book, my favorite verse in the Bible, Matthew 25. When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was sick, did you try to heal me? When I was in prison, did you come and visit me? When I knocked on your door, did you let me in? That which you do unto the least of them, you do unto Christ. Mike Pence, I know you're watching this right now or listening to me on the radio. You're a hypocrite. You're blasphemous. You're going to hell. Okay? You're done. You're not a Christian. Stop calling yourself one. Or start acting like one. Stop acting like a sycophant to this man who is destroying this country. A man who believes he, with the stroke of a pen, can rewrite the Constitution. Remember when you were a strict constructionist, Mike Pence? Do you remember that? I do. I, I, I think it was just last month when we were having a Supreme Court debate. Oh, we got to take the Constitution at its word. 14th Amendment. First line. Any person born. How's that not a strict construction? Do, do I need to read on? I, I'm sorry, uh, America. This president doesn't respect our law, doesn't respect our military, doesn't respect our Constitution, doesn't respect a tragedy. People gunned down in cold blood. He's talking about how his hair was messed up, answering questions about people being gunned down in cold blood by a white nationalist the day after he said he was a nationalist. And then he goes to a rally that night and again says he's a nationalist. I know exactly who you're talking to. They know exactly who you're talking to and what you're trying to say, Mr. President. It is wrong. It is biased. It is not a dog whistle. It is a bullhorn to racists around this country. And next week, Tuesday, America has an opportunity to fix that. That's what I love about this country. It's you're never too far away from an election in this country. And if you don't like the way things are going, here's your chance. Here's your chance to go out there and send a message. Send a message. And by the way, even if you like this guy, you like his policies, let's say you like his tax cut, you like that he's deregulating thing, I don't, but that's a legitimate issue to argue about. Let's say you like that. Do you trust him with this country to act unchecked? Because I don't think you do. And if you don't trust him, you better elect people who are going to watch him, who are going to go there and are going to do their job and are going to provide meaningful oversight of this president because the people that are there right now are not doing that job. The people that are there right now are just a bunch of sheep. Bah, I'm afraid you might tweet at me. Oh, no. The president might use his Twitter capacity to hurt me. Don't run for Congress if you're not going to do your job. Grow a spine. They're not going to do that. They're going to continue to be sheep next year. 
if you let them be. So elect people who will not be sheep. Elect people who will stand up to this man, who will put a proper check and balance on his unchecked power that he's wielded for the last two years. The man thinks he could change the Constitution on birthright citizenship. What's next? Freedom of the press? Freedom of assembly? Why not? Why can't he check that? Why can't he just with a stroke of a pen change that? Anyway, I'll be taking your calls other side of the break at 631-451-1039. If you're watching me on Twitter, thanks. Check out the podcast. It's on my it's linked on my Twitter page. We'll catch you soon. I'll be right back. You're listening to Chris Ancho. conservatives crazy since the day he was born the chris han show you say you want a revolution well you know we all want to change the world you tell me that it's evolution so what's on your mind now this is um i am i am a uh, hispanic and I'm all of and everything. But, you know, I'm here second, third generation already, and so is my family and, and relatives and everything. But I, I, um, I'm a nationalist. What? I'm for America first. I'm a nationalist. So, but here's the thing. Gloria, let, let me explain something to you. I know if you look it up in the dictionary, it says somebody who likes America first, but it's been co-opted. The word has been co-opted by people like the guy who shot up that church, and it's mostly used with white nationalists. Like, for example, what if we just called you a? What if we said you were a supremacist? Would that be okay? Well, no, because I'm I'm not doing it for my Hispanic people. No, no, I, no, 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 no. Because Let, all Americans are nationalists. No, they're we not. Come in all colors. We're Look, nationalists. Yeah. I'm sorry, Gloria. Words have meanings. And sometimes those meanings change. And unfortunately, hold on, unfortunately for the word nationalist, that word is now connected with white supremacy. And as we saw last week, we had a white nationalist go into a a temple and shoot it up. We also had a white nationalist go into a church in Kentucky and shoot somebody in the back of the head. This is not... Klan or something? He was a white nationalist. And the president then then goes out... Nationalist, come on. No, no, Gloria, 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 I'll give you a better word. Okay, I'll give you a better word because I love you and I want you to, I want you to write the word, to use right the words here. Become a, be a patriot. You don't have to be a nationalist, be an American patriot. That's fine. Nationalist means America. No, nationalist. It doesn't say about race, it's nation. Gloria, 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 (laughs) Gloria, you, you, you have to understand that that word has been misappropriated by people who hate. And when they hear the president saying that word... Who are the people that hate? It's a White nationalists. I don't know those people who hate. Uh, right, but unfortunately, people, Gloria, friends, unfortunately... Hispanic, and we're nationalists. Gloria, unfortunately, that is not the way that word is taken by the people who hate. And the people who hate, when they hear the president saying that word, they know what he means by it. Okay, or they I, appropriate I appreciate that you're meaning explaining to them. this. 
Thank you so much. Well, I hope you'll be a patriot and not a national. Gloria, thanks for your call. 631-451-1039 is the number. 631-451-1039. Yeah. Guys, I was on Laura Ingram last night. And after my appearance, I had a lot of people send me, you know, pages from the dictionary on Twitter and on the and on my email. I, I get it. I, I know if you read it in the dictionary, that's what it means. But like Andrew Gillum said of uh, DeSantis in Florida, I'm not calling you a racist, Mr. DeSantis, but all the racists think you're a racist. I, I'm not calling the president a white nationalist, but the white nationalists think he's a white nationalist. He's the president of the United States. Nationalism has never been a good thing. When it has arised on this planet, it has never had a positive meaning. It has always had negative meanings. Now, I know love of country. That's a great thing. I am not saying don't express pride in the United States of America. What I'm saying is use a different word. That word is taken by people who hate. And when the president of all people says he's a nationalist, those people get excited. And sometimes they shoot up synagogues. And sometimes they put bombs in the mail. And sometimes they go to black churches and shoot people. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. I'm live. I know it's Wednesday and I'm not normally live tonight, but I am live. 631-451-1039. James in Calverton, you're on the air. James. No, it's Nelson. How you doing, Chris? Nelson. Ah, they mixed you up. How you doing, Nelson? Yeah, they sure (laughs) did. I'm doing all right. Man, you really got my wife mad the other night when you hung up on her. Nelson, I'm sorry. I love your wife oh, and I love you, Chris, Nelson. Hold Chris, on. She, I, I love you know your wife I and I love you, because, but she was she you know was filibustering because of you. Why would you? Did you? What you have to do? <laughs> is it is it suitable for radio? <laughs> oh my God! Oh, she said some words about you. Well, tell her next time she calls in when I'm on the air, she needs to keep it short. <laughs> yeah. So she was making valid points, so you hung up on her. Well, look, I'm all for good radio, right? And and your wife made three points. After the second point, I was like, all right, get to your question. And she was she, still... No, she didn't have a question. She was just going point She was filibustering, though. She's got to stop. She's got to come up. She, you know how you're talking and I'm talking back to you? We're having a conversation. Your wife was filibustering. And, and what's your wife's name? I forgot her name. Marion. It's not the Marion from Calverton show. It, it's it's the Chris Hahn show. <laughs> it's the Marion. No, no, that's what you're wrong. It's the Marion from Miller Place show. Wait, you're married to her and you live in a different city? No, we're both from Miller Place. No, I messed that one up. Oh, okay. Mike, how long have you been doing this show? Enough. Did you even ask? <laughs> yeah, it sounded like James. It's like, oh, they sound the same. Let's yell what's up. I want to be on the show. All right. It's James and Nelson. I took 50 I, It's Mike B. Mike B usually doesn't mess up like I'm this. like this. It's all right. It's Sorry, the great bro. Mike B. Sorry, Nelson. My bad. Mike B is the number one producer at LI News Radio, maybe in all of JVC land. Yes, I agree. Well, with that. I, I would think of all of Jandy over there. So, well, well, Nelson. Sorry, Nelson. My bad. It's Mike's bit. You tell your wife, I'm sorry. And that you should go buy her some flowers to make up for it. And and I think, yeah, okay. And, yeah. Just Venmo tell, Chris's. And, Chris's and her, uh, look, I, I'm not Tom. Press Sh- them on Venmo, yeah, and then I'm, he'll pay for it. I'm not Tom Shalero, <laughs> so I like to have a fun show. And if somebody's filibustering, I cut him off. It's just the way it is. I'm oh, sorry. 
After after she got off the phone, everything she kept saying, yeah, I said, yep, he sure is. <laughs> I know, hon. He, oh, my God, he really is. I hope it got a good night for you. That's all I say, Nelson. Thanks right. for the call, man. Well, you have a good night, man. You too. Six three one four five one one zero three nine. Sounds like great. Nelson had to do some uh, had to do uh, some work on uh, exactly. Hey. You all have to work some hey, look, if I can help one marriage become more sexual, <laughs> I'm happy. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, happy wife, happy life. That's all I got to say to you, Nelson. I hope that you took care of that woman the way she needed to be taken care of because I definitely got her amped up. And uh, all you had to do was finish it off. That's all I have to say about that. I don't know if that <laughs> – you want me to get out of that, right? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's get out of that conversation. This is not the Howard Stern Show, my favorite show on radio, by the way. 631-451-1039. In Casey Armstrong just walked into the studio, the former Howard Stern intern or whatever he did over there. Yeah, producer. Uh, just walked in. in. He's, he's got a show. I guess he's doing some pre, pre-tapes tonight. He actually uh, – he's going – he's kind of on a book tour on the weekends. Oh. His first book, Simply Amazing. Go to simplyamazingbook.com to get your uh, first chapter for free. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, if he didn't talk about the Howard Stern show in it, uh, he did. Oh, okay, good. So the first read. chapter is all about him. So it's all there. About you go. So I have to Stern read that. Then. Stuff, yeah. Read everything about Howard Stern. Six three one four five one one zero three nine is my number. I have got the great Julie Roginski joining me at the top of the hour, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about the midterms. Uh, and what's going to happen? Who do we think is going to win? Where do we think is going to go? Look, I think things have broken. I think the tide has changed. I've been looking at these polls in Pennsylvania and even in parts of Pennsylvania where we shouldn't be winning. And the wrong track number is so high that we can't lose in those parts of the state. I mean, the, the, the Congress could be won before the West Coast closes, in my opinion. I, I, I have a lot of faith that we're going to pick up some seats uh, that we're not supposed to pick up on the East Coast. And in the central time zone. And, and Pennsylvania particularly, I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, the president won Pennsylvania by 20,000 votes. I think if the election were held today, he would not win Pennsylvania. And if, if Florida goes blue and both Nelson and Gillum win, and I think they're both going to win, Mike, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good about 2020. And I've always been of the mindset that the president's going to get reelected. Mm-hmm. But um, what I'm seeing in the polling, and uh, look, I'm not seeing the Democrats winning the Senate. That's the only thing I haven't seen. Something's got to give in like in, in Texas or Tennessee for that to happen. And those are very hard states to turn. But man, the race in Wisconsin is tight for governor. Okay. I think the Democrat has a better than even chance of winning that state. Mm-hmm. Democrats are sweeping Pennsylvania. Democrats are winning Michigan, right? Michigan's another state. 20,000 votes swip, and uh, Democrats win uh, the presidency. So those are two very important states. I, I don't think there's a path to the White House, back to the White House for the president, without Michigan and Pennsylvania. And if he loses Florida, it's all over. So um, going to be an interesting night. I'm watching those things very closely. The Democrats are going to take the House of Representatives I'm believing 40 seats now. Um, some people have it a lot lower than me, 32, 34, 36. I'm saying 40. And I'm saying it tonight, 40, because I've seen the numbers start. I see the trend in the polls. And I'm just trying to predict a week from now, because I will not talk to you again, at least in this format, uh, until after the election. I'll be back here, I think, next Wednesday or next Thursday. I think we're on a Thursday next week. I can't remember. No. Oh, so Wednesday. We'll be on next Wednesday. Maybe. Yeah. I think. So, yeah, the eighth is a game on the eighth. Yeah. 
So I will not be here until the election is passed. So this is my time to predict. And if you look at the polls and the polling and the data today, I think 34 would be a very um, conservative bet. But I'm looking at the trend of the polls, and I think this trend is going to continue. I see no sign of this trend stopping because the president cannot help himself. The president can't help himself. He's got to be out there. He's got to be in everybody's face. And he's not helping. And his approval rating in Gallup went from 47 to 40. I saw a poll today that had him at 39 total approval. So the president isn't helping himself. He is dropping like a stone. And if he continues on this trend... 40 is probably a conservative pickup. And the Senate, which let's face it, even the states I think the Democrats are losing, with the exception of North Dakota. Indiana is a toss-up. Tennessee is a toss-up. Even Texas, it's within five points. That's a toss-up. Five points, you know, if the president's approval rating's in the 30s a week from today, or six days from today, those seats are in play, America. So the trend is going in the Democratic direction. It had gone for the month of October, early October, it had gone in the direction of the Republicans. The Kavanaugh hearings helped. It energized their base. That is over. The president running around saying he's a nationalist, saying he's going to change the Constitution with the stroke of a pen. I I mean, what else is he going to change? What else in the Constitution does he think he could change with the stroke of a pen? How about term limits for the president? Does he think he could do that? Ah, the 25th Amendment. Who's that? What's that all about? I don't like that one. Well, yeah, I don't like that one. Let me just cross it out. And start exactly. again. You know, it is a, there's no way that uh, people are watching this and feeling good about it. And like I said, there are a lot of people who like him, who like his policies. It's not an overwhelming majority of them. They like him and they like his policies, but they don't trust him. I don't know, Mike, you seem like, do you like him? No. No, all right. I, I voted for him. I'm not going to lie. I voted for him. You know, I want to give it a chance. See what's going on. It's you regret it. Nonsense. You regret it now, right? Yeah. Yes, but I, I, I just couldn't vote for Hillary. Like, I, I, I talk just, to people every day, Mike. It's like I, didn't, I didn't see it going like this. Right. You know, I thought, I, I thought he was going to calm down. He I, didn't relax. Think it, I didn't think it would be this bad either. I thought so, he'd become a practical New Yorker. That's I what thought, I thought. You I, know? thought I thought, you know, when it was over, he would stop being an he, idiot. You, all right, you won. We right. got it. You won. You won. You won. It's so. all he's talked about for two years, how he won the election, how he's gotten judges. And the tax cut that doesn't help the middle class, hurts the middle class. So especially, you know, you live in, in the Northeast like we do, yeah. kills you. That's basically what we are. So it's, there's a lot of regret. A lot of guys like Mike out there that regret it. And they're probably going to say, you know what? Let me get somebody out there that can watch them, right? And then there are people out there who don't regret voting for Trump, but are very concerned about this country. They like his policies. They don't like his rhetoric. And they're concerned. And they want somebody. They don't like the corruption they see, the, the Pruitts, the, uh, the, the, the Zenkies, you know, his son-in-law being in charge of everything. They don't like that. A lot of people in this country concerned about it. I'm not saying it's everybody who supports the president. If he's at 40% approval, I would give five more points to people who like him but don't trust him. Call it 35%. Those people are going to vote the other way. So I'm interested to see what happens. I can honestly say I don't 
really know. I think the Democrats are going to win. Part of me thinks that win could be big, but it's also you just got to everyone's got to get out there and vote. That's the thing, you know. Don't, yeah. don't you know we're talking about in the beginning. Of course, you, could, you can never trust what white people are going to do. That's, in, that's you know, the thing. It seems to me. That, oh no, someone else will do it. That's fine. Yeah, someone else. Someone else. Yeah, will do it. They're going to. The someone else is going to go might out and vote. Say, you know what? I kind of li- I don't like his policies, but I am racist, so I think I'm going to vote with him because you know they're they're invaders coming to the southern border. You know, walking women and children walking. They'll be here sometime in June. So I, I mean, white people out there, um, my people. I mean, I, I guess they don't think I'm their people because I'm half Jewish and half Italian, so they don't, you know, they don't like the Jews or the Catholics. I'm neither of those things personally, but that's my blood. <laughs> uh, but uh, white people, you really are ridiculous if you don't think that this needs some watching. You would not hire this guy to run uh, your car wash because you'd be worried about what he says to the customers and how he treats the guys drying off the car. So to think for a second that he should just be given a blank check, which is what you would be giving him if this election goes by and there isn't a change in leadership in the Congress. What you are giving him is affirmation of everything he says. Not just everything he's done, but everything he says. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewrite the Constitution. I'm going to send troops to the border illegally, wasting your money. I'm going to balloon the deficit. I'm going to hire crooks and incompetents to run my government. I'm going to say whatever I want. I'm going to stoke hate and fear and resentment and division. You want to continue that? You're going to give him a blank check. He's going to do it 10 times more in the next two years. He will look at that as an affirmation of everything he's said and done. And it's really white people I'm talking to. White men. I got to think that women know better at this point. I got to think that educated women in this country know better and are going to dump this guy. Even if they like him even if they think his policies are good and working for them. Because you can't trust him. He is not a trustworthy guy. He is breaking this country. He is dividing us. I mean, look, he had an opportunity last week. Both when the bomber situation happened and then the temple shooting. He had an opportunity to go from 44% in the polls to 55% in the polls and crush the Democratic hopes of an election victory. All he had to do was be normal. All he had to do was be a consoler, compassionate, show some empathy to the victims, maybe reach out to former Secretary Hillary Clinton and ask her if she's doing okay after the bombing attempt and President Obama and Eric Holder Say that he's talked to them all. Be a consoler in chief. Or, you know, not talk about his hair after the synagogue. Maybe not go there for a week while they healed. But he couldn't do it. He had to make it about him. 
and his numbers are plummeting as a result. And I think this trend will continue. I think this trend will continue for the next six days. And I think it will bring more Democrats into office than we're expecting right now. Right now, I guess 34 is a conservative bet. 32. But keep it up, Mr. President. Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. It's not helping you. It's hurting you. All right. 631-451-1039. I'll take your calls at the bottom of the hour. I got Julie Rojinski joining me after the break. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show. I'll be right back. America's favorite progressive, The Chris Hahn Show. All right, I'm back. I am live. I'll take your calls at the bottom of the hour at 631-451-1039. But right now, I got to bring back in Julie Rojinski. Julie, uh, look, she's one of the uh, top political minds on the left in America. Uh, she's a good oh, friend wow. good, good friend of mine. She she knows everything there is to know about New Jersey politics, which is, is, is a lot, <laughs> by the way. There's a lot to know there. She's got her own podcast. She's got a lot of things going on. Uh, she's a good friend of mine. Julie, how you doing? Great. Thanks for the wonderful introduction. Wow. Well, look, Julie, you know, we don't pay you. The least we could do is butter you up when you get on here, right? <laughs> that's true. You know what? That's the least we could do. That's true. <laughs> How's it going? How's the podcast going? Podcast is great. It's going really, really well, and um, we have a lot of exciting people coming up on it, so it's working out really well. Thanks for asking. I'm loving it. I'm loving it too. Uh, and and look, we are at one of those points in time, Julie, where people get to decide. I get very excited in the seven days leading up to an election, and we're now six days, less than six days away from when the votes are cast. Uh, this time next week, I think we're going to know pretty, pretty, pretty early. I think in the night how the Democrats are doing if they're taking the Congress. And I am of the feeling right now that the, uh, the, the momentum has returned to the Democrats and the wind is at their back. And I thank President Trump for that because he's just a horrible person. Uh, what's your thoughts? Well, I'm out of the prediction business because I really messed up last year on Hillary. So I'm not going to tell you what I think is going to definitively happen. But I think momentum, um, at least in the House, is with the Democrats. And I think a lot of it has to do with this division that independence um, and even some soft Republicans have seen coming out of the president. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's held matters. Certainly, with the unfortunate incident in Pittsburgh, um, and then with the pipe bombs that were sent to prominent people around the country uh, the last couple of weeks, I think that his leadership has been lacking um, with both those tragic incidents. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is that had he just acted like a normal human being during those incidents and and showed a little bit of compassion, his numbers would probably be in the low fifties right now. Well, you know, what's interesting is it's it's the perfect opportunity for somebody to show leadership. It's the perfect opportunity um, for somebody to come along, as George Bush did after 9-11, right. Barack Obama did. 
and really unite the country. Um, there's really no question about the fact that what happened in Pittsburgh is just an assault, not just on the Jewish community there, but I think on the country as a whole. Yeah. And the fact that he's incapable of doing that speaks volumes, and I think really reminds people who may have stayed home or may not have decided how they're going to vote that maybe they want to check on this president. Yeah, I think that's that's really got to be the message. I've been talking about that all night tonight, Julie. I think that the message needs to be about a check on this man, whether you like him or not. And I think there's enough people who like him and think he needs a check that that could that could change things a little bit. Uh, I mean, he needs somebody watching him because he just can't be trusted. Well, I mean, I don't know that first and foremost, even if you are a diehard Republican, unless you're, I should say you're a diehard Republican it's typical that the president's party loses seats in a midterm. That's just goes without saying. Where that it happened is. To, certainly happened to Obama. So it's not a partisan talking point. Um, but there are people out there who, again, as I said, who may agree with him on matters of policy, even may think that the tax cut was a good idea or other, um, that, that Kavanaugh or, or his appointments to the Supreme court were a good idea but who are not happy with the way he conducts himself on a personal level and happy with the way he's conducted himself certainly in the last couple of weeks. And they understand that there's no check on him, um, at least in the House, if not in the House and the Senate, that it's just going to give him carte blanche. Right. More oh, and more. He'll be emboldened. I mean, who knows what he'll say or do? I mean, this whole nonsense about the 14th Amendment this week that he thinks he could just, you know, unilaterally with the stroke of a pen undo the Constitution of the United States. I remember, you know, I'm old enough to remember like three weeks ago when Republicans were all about strict constructionism of the United States Constitution. <laughs> that and the fact that they were, if you remember, their complete horror at the executive orders that Barack Obama would put forward. Right. Suddenly, I guess. Suddenly, suddenly, I guess stripping the Constitution of its meeting and the Fourteenth Amendment of its meeting unilaterally through executive order is okay. Yeah. Um, when it comes to pet policy issues, it's really unbelievable. And, and it's, uh, you know, it it couldn't be plainer uh, if it was written in bold text, which it is. Uh, any person born, <laughs> it's like, give me a break. This guy thinks he could just take a pen and change that. That is, first of all. Who's a citizen then? I mean, is he even a citizen? Because his mother wasn't born here. Well, no, and certainly his children's mother, or at least... Um, right, is Barron a citizen? So for some of his children. All, all of his children, here. except for Tiffany, were born to women who were not born here, <laughs> you know? And I don't think poor citizens, or at least I don't think much for Nirvana when her children were born. I don't, so, think, I don't think she was. I don't think she was a citizen when her children were born. So it is a... It is, it is, it, I don't, I don't understand how this man functions, uh, in this constant state of hypocrisy. It, it's amazing to me. And, and it's nice and refreshing to see that, you know, Paul Ryan, as he's on his way out the door, decided today was the day to say something about the president, uh, that was negative. It, it's amazing to me. The spineless. Well, I mean, that's what's so, that's what's so amazing to me that Paul Ryan, who's known that he's on his way out the door for the last six months to a year has not stood up to this president once. This is Paul Ryan, let's not forget, the man who built his career, quote-unquote, fiscal responsibility as a deficit hawk. Right. just pushed through legislation that completely explodes the deficit, and it flies in the face of everything he's purported to have stood for. He didn't need to do that. He wasn't running for speaker again. He wasn't running for office again. But nevertheless, I don't understand how people like Paul Ryan and others just have completely cowed, are cowed, and have kowtowed to a man who's transformed the Republican Party in ways that they probably never imagined. Well, they were just doing the math and saying, well, 
you know, I do want to go work for a Coke-funded think tank, and if they have more money in their pocket, they could pay the, you know, $3 million a year fee that he's probably going to command as a former Speaker of the House oh. to sit on that think tank, right? I mean, that's probably what he's thinking. I guess so, but I mean, think about the fact that he ran with Mitt Romney um, as recently as, as, what, six years ago? Right. And on issues that are completely anathema to what he's done since he's been Speaker and Donald Trump's been President. Um, so... It's it's interesting that the legacy that he leaves as a man who's not yet 50 is so completely and vastly different from the legacy that he talked about throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, he's a shell of who he used to be. And uh, fr- frankly, I think he's a failure, a complete failure, uh, at least in his leadership. I mean, he's obviously risen to a high rank in his career, but his leadership has been an, uh, an abject failure. And now we have a president of the United States who thinks he could just rewrite the Constitution with a stroke of a pen. And this man has done nothing to put a check on him uh, in his two years as uh, as speaker with this man as president. It it befuddles me that uh, that this happened. And I'm wondering, I'm like wondering, like, you know, after this election, when, you know, the Republicans probably take massive losses in the House and you see a few new Republicans coming into the Senate, like Mitt Romney, for example. I mean, are they going to show any backbone to this president or are they going to continue uh, to just be the sheep that this president so loves to pet? Well, look at Mitt Romney. I mean, the man who, who was more critical of Donald Trump than any anybody else, not just other Republicans, but certainly even more critical than some Democrats. Were, yeah. When Trump is running, has completely been cowed. Um, has not has, has been so scared of not getting the support of Utah Republicans, maybe Trump supporters, that he's um, has refused to really say anything negative about Donald Trump. Donald Trump who basically called Mormonism a cult. Yeah, <laughs> Romney, but Romney as a Mormon and a Mormon leader running in Utah still refuses to criticize him right now uh, in ways that he was critical of him when when Donald Trump is running. It's it's really quite breathtaking to think about that. And to think about what somebody like Mitt Romney is going to do when he's in the Senate, I have no indication that Mitt Romney is going to. Well, think about this, though. But think about this, though. Do the math for Mitt Romney for a minute. He will never have to run with Donald Trump ever again. So if he wins the Senate seat, he's got a six-year term. The next time he's running for re-election is 2024, assuming Donald Trump doesn't change the Constitution between now and 2024. Or, or you know, assuming he doesn't declare himself king and not have an election in 2024, Donald Trump won't be the candidate for president. He'll probably be probably the most unpopular person in America by then. If he's still in office in 2024, he will be the most unpopular person probably ever. I, I'll make that prediction right now, and I, I stand by that prediction. Well, what's to say that he hasn't transformed the Republican Party to such an extent that his influence will still be felt in 2024? The way Reagan's was. Many years after Reagan left, I'm not suggesting he's around Reagan, but I'm suggesting that the last Republican president really transformed the party in his own image. Well, he will definitely have transformed the party for sure. If there's any Republican party left, uh, maybe there won't be. I I, I just I, I, I just think six years from now, I find it hard to believe that his popularity can survive six years, even as low as it is now. In, 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 let's just assume it's 43%, which is where it's been pretty much his entire presidency. I, I find it hard to believe he will be higher than 38%, 37% um, six years from now when, when it, he's no longer up for re-election. You know, the economy by then will probably have tanked. I, don't, I just don't know how this man can survive popular. And if I'm a senator getting elected to the Senate right now, 
I might want to spend the next six years being a check on the president, regardless of my party affiliation. And I don't see anything, and I, I would agree with you, but I don't see anything that indicates that, that would be the case with Lindsey Graham. Granted, Lindsey Graham's up in 2020. He's worried about a primary from a Trump supporter right, right. in South Carolina. Um, he's going to have to run with the president in 2020. But look at the transformation despite all of that. Lindsey Graham could have just gone along to get along. But you have somebody who's transformed yeah. from saying that Donald Trump is a danger and a psychopath. I forgot what the words of that word that he used, but something along those lines, to suddenly being his number one enabler in the Senate. Um, there's more to it than just political calculus. Um, there's an understanding that this is a man who's so fundamentally transformed the Republican Party that regardless of whether he, Donald Trump, runs again, Trumpism has infected the party and that yeah. senators either have to get it on board or they have to find another job. And all it is is mean. It's all it is is mean. By the way, I'm talking to Julie Roginski. She's got a podcast. What's it called, Julie? It's called Saltier Politics. You can catch it on iTunes. You can catch it Spotify, anywhere you can get access to the podcast. Say it again. Say it again. Saltier Politics. Saltier Politics, America, because she's a salty gal. That's why she puts it out there. Uh, she uses salty language. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I do, but not on the podcast. I've yet to break out the salty language. Yeah, you, you want to keep it to pepper on the podcast. <laughs> Just pepper it a little bit. Not, not, not salt, a little pepper. Uh, it's on iTunes. When does it normally come out? What day of the week? You know, we have different days. Um, it typically comes out Fridays or Saturdays. Excellent, excellent. Salt your politics on iTunes. Don't forget, you pick up the Chris Hahn Show podcast, this exact radio show, in its podcast commercial-free form, the Chris Hahn Show podcast, now available on iTunes. Uh, it's only been up there for three weeks, and I think we got it right now, Mike, my producer's on the other side of the glass. I think we got it right now. I think we, uh, I think we got it going. <laughs> so we'll do that. Uh, be taking your calls at the bottom of the hour at 631-451-1039, 631-451-1039. Don't forget to catch me on Tucker Carlson tonight on Friday, 8 o'clock, and my regular spot on Janine Pirro, Saturday, 9.30. Don't forget to check me out there. I'll be on Ingram next week, too. Uh, Julie, uh, Election Day. It is, uh, it is six days away. There are a lot of crazy races in New Jersey, and there's a lot of politics going on in New Jersey. It looks like uh, New Jersey is going to reelect Menendez. There had been thought, talk that he might not win, given his problems. Uh, do you think that that's an—I know you don't want to make predictions. I know you're out of that business. And trust me, I was more wrong than you were in twenty in twenty sixteen, and I'm still making predictions because I think that's my job as a pundit. But uh, tell me, tell me what's going to happen in New Jersey. So, uh, just by virtue of disclosure, I'm running the super pack for Menendez, so uh, I don't know what's going on in his campaign. Oh, in the sense that in the sense that there's a, obviously a firewall going on. Yep, yep, yep. On the super pack world and the campaign, but from what I see and everything that I see. Um, I think if New Jersey has a typical um, turnout model that it typically has um, in several years, that Menendez should be okay. It's going to be a close race um, by virtue of the fact that obviously Senator Menendez has had some issues and he's running against a very well-funded Republican. Yep. Um, but I think New Jersey is the kind of state that will want to send Donald Trump a message. Yeah. So to reelect New Jersey, not you know, the, the interesting things is not so much. The Senate race in New Jersey, but the interesting thing is that there's a potential for maybe all but one of New Jersey's Republican seats to flip. How many Republican um, seats are there in New Jersey? I'm trying to think. I think there are five or so. Um, and I think, except with the exception of one, the rest of them are really up in the air right now. Excellent. Which is unprecedented. So you might have a possibility, you might have a possibility of having uh, 
11 Democrats from New Jersey and one Republican. Could you imagine that? I mean, could you imagine they take four seats in New Jersey? They only need 23 seats to change parties. Sure. And if they get and four- don't forget, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but no. you know, next door in Pennsylvania, you have a whole new map. Uh, the courts ordered that kind of be a huge deal for Democrats. California is up in play. I mean, Democrats' yeah. map keeps expanding, and the Republican map keeps contracting. They say that there are a hundred toss-ups. And only 20 of those toss-ups are in Democratic territory. So yep. there are 80 Republican seats that are now toss-ups. Now, that's, you know, toss-ups are, is a, a relative term. I mean, within five points right now. But I got to tell you, the turnout that I've been seeing around the country, uh, is it, it gives me hope because I, I, I'm sorry. I think Republican turnout is the same. I mean, tell me if you agree with me on this. Republicans show up for midterm elections. Democrats don't. And, and, yeah, that's and, true. And if, if the Democratic turnup is as up as it appears to be around this country, you're looking at early voting and what's going on around the country, you're looking at the polls about enthusiasm and who's planning on coming out to vote. Um, you know, we're seeing in, in parts of the country where the youth vote is up 500 uh, percent. That's just amazing to me from midterm to midterm. I mean, if the if the if the party comes out, I don't know how the Democrats lose. I mean, we'll see what happens, but if you look at early, as you said, early voting, you look at absentee ballots that have been returned that obviously haven't been counted yet, but you can tell what party affiliation those absentee ballots are correlated to by virtue of the fact that you know who's registered to vote, you know, how they voted, but you know what their party registration is. The difference between Democrats and Republicans is stark. Um, Democrats cannot wait to vote um, and are not necessarily waiting to vote at the polls. Now, typically, Republicans are older um, Voters, so therefore they have the luxury of showing up at the polls. So that probably will contract on election day. But having said that, I think Democrats are in as good a position as can be. And I, I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember 1994 and the excitement that Republicans felt in 1994 about turning the House back to yeah. Republican rule for the first time in 40 years. Hasn't been that long for Democrats, but it's the same kind of enthusiasm I'm sensing on the Democratic side this year as you felt in 1994 from Republicans. Yeah, I just think Democrats can't wait to vote. They want to vote this guy out. And I think that this week has made it even worse. Because I, no I think there's a lot of independents out there that saw this guy fail to lead when, when there was a clear, unambiguous moment where his leadership was needed. I mean, and there was only one way to lead. And every well, other president's gotten it right. In the modern era, anyway, every other president has gotten it right in this moment. This guy did not. It's pretty stark um, to see a president tweet about this event when he went to Pittsburgh saying that he and Melania were very warmly welcomed. Yeah. There were protests going on, they were far away. And the only thought I really had when I saw that, and I think a lot of people shared it, was, why is this about you? Why are you making right. this about you? Could you imagine if George Bush had stood on that rubble? Right. Oh, you guys are oh so nice to me. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I spoke and all these construction workers applauded, all these rescue workers applauded. People would have been horrified. That's not at all what George Bush did on 9-11. I was with yeah. George Bush on 9-11 when he made well, that speech. Know. And I worked for Chuck Schumer at the time. Yeah. I was with him. I thought that was a wonderful thing he did. Of course. We all did. The entire nation was. Yeah. And to have this tragedy happened in Pittsburgh and to have a president who's so focused on protests and so focused. I mean, it's just, it is truly the definition of an old man sitting in his lazy boy yeah. watching yeah. cable news and yelling at the TV screen. And it's people not, have got to be thinking, what if the tragedy hits me personally? Right. And say, is this and the guy I sure. want leading us? If it hits me personally, 
And, it's, and especially for those of us living in the New York area and who did live through 9-11. Yep. Um, in a very personal way, you think about the fact that if 9-11 were to happen again, everybody keeps saying something similar is inevitable. Right. What does somebody like, if, if, if he can't lead at a time when you have a national tragedy, but that's limited in scope. Yeah. Um, what is he possibly going to do when there's a real attack on the country from a foreign right. enemy? And what's his reaction going to be? Uh, it's not um, going to be good. It's not going to be right. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be a real horrible, horrible, horrible thing, uh, that, uh, we will not be able to stomach in this country and he's not ready for it. And that's why we need a Congress that's going to put a check on him and, and make sure that there's somebody, some adult mining the store in this country. You think about it. I mean, Pittsburgh was really, is really a canary in the coal mine. Yeah. A national tragedy and you see how he reacts and then you understand what might happen when there's. Uh, God forbid another nine eleven attack. It's, it's horrible, um, and, he, and he has to be a commander in chief. I mean, it's just it's it's terrifying. He's not ready. Wonder, he's not up for it, and time. and we need something better. All right, Julie, I got thirty seconds left with you. Yes, give me all the plugs. Tell people where you're going to be. What you want them to know. Uh, all right. Well, everybody can tune in to watch Saltier Politics or listen to Saltier Politics on um, the podcast that we talked about before. Other than that, just remember to vote. I don't care how you vote. Go out and vote. It's really important. Not enough people do it. So if you're anywhere in the tri-state area or anywhere around the country and you're registered to vote, go out there and vote. And if you're in Florida and you're listening to me right now, think about that this guy was doing a rally while the hurricane was actually hitting you. And do you want him running your hurricanes? Anyway, Julie Rojinski, you're the best. We love you. Thanks Thanks for tuning in. I'm taking your calls. Other side of the break, 631-451-1039. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show, and I'll be right back. Like what you hear? Grow a pair. Pick up the phone and try to tell him why he's wrong. The Chris Hahn Show. All right. I'm back. I'm live. It's Wednesday. I know I'm not supposed to be on on Wednesdays, but here I am live on a Wednesday. 631-451-1039. If you want to be part of the national conversation, 631-451-1039. Uh, let me tell you about my Twitter feud with Michael Avenatti. Uh, Mike, I was, uh, I got into a Twitter war with Michael Avenatti over the weekend. It's two weeks in a row. Yeah, I had James Woods last week, uh-huh. Michael Avenatti this week. If you don't know who Michael Avenatti is, Michael Avenatti rose to prominence as Stormy Daniels' lawyer. He said a bunch of things that did turn out to be true. Uh, I had a lot of admiration for Michael Avenatti. Uh, and then he got a little crazy. He started talking about this Fetnik thing, which people couldn't prove. I thought it came up at an inopportune time, and I think it helped um, Judge Kavanaugh become Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. So when I was invited on the Fox News channel on my regular Friday night spot on on Tucker Carlson, I was originally supposed to talk about the bomber. Then they decided that they wanted me to talk about Michael Avenatti. And um, Tucker was making the point. He was calling him a creepy porn lawyer. Because he okay. represents porn stars. And I think he was calling him... He's cr- more than one porn star client? No, he only has Stormy no, Daniels. Yeah, I, was, I yeah. think so, yeah. So, But she is a porn star, let's yes. be clear. And, and by the way, 
I like Stormy Daniels. I don't care if she does porn. I think women, it's their body. They could do what they want. I think it's a little exploitive. I think that it's something that, you know, should be regulated. But if that's her choice, and, it, and I've seen her interviewed, she seems to enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. So good for her. You know, exactly. I, I'm not judging her. I mean, God, I mean, of course not. it's a $75 trillion business or I don't know if I, I don't know who pays for porn anymore, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's a business thing. of some sort. Exactly. Uh, somebody's willing to pay, pay for it. Um, uh, and he was calling her creepy. He was calling Michael Avenatti creepy porn lawyer. And at one point, I actually was trying to defend Michael Avenatti, but I said, we call him creepy porn lawyer instead of they or yeah. you call him creepy porn lawyer because he represented a porn star who slept with the president. I was making the point that the president of the United States is like creepy porn stalker or what were you, you know, I, 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 creepy porn fan. Yeah. Right, you know, yeah. Uh, it, it's a, uh, I was trying to make the point that the president slept with a porn star. Well, Michael Avenatti took offense to that. Now, I think what he really took offense to, Mike, was the fact that uh, I said he's never going to be president. He has, he's on this quixotic Adventure to become the Democratic nominee for president. He's made statements that say uh, only a white male could take on Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, I I don't want Michael Avenatti to be the Democratic nominee for president in 2020. I want an experienced, compassionate, but, you know, strong as heck, you know, kind of like a Gillum type or a Beto O'Rourke type who is going to take this man on. And, but... Do it from a position of knowledge of government and compassion and real liberal street cred. Michael Avenatti is not that. He's a street fighter, and, and, I, and, I, and, it, and there's a time and a place for it. So Michael uh, said I should be ashamed of myself. We went back and forth on Twitter for about four or five hours until I said, well, what about the comment you made about uh, only a white male taking on Donald yeah. Trump? And then he stopped playing with me. So about mm-hmm. five minutes ago, I tweeted at Michael Avenatti and said, hey, I'm on the radio. Give me a call, 631-451-1039. I would love to have you on. If he really is the street fighter that he says he is, and I know that Michael Avenatti has somebody monitoring his Twitter because he's got a whole Twitter thing going on. I know he knows that tweet was sent. I I tweeted right at him. I have a blue check mark next to my name on Twitter. It's not like Instagram where you're doing better than me at. Mikey Pitts hey, on Instagram. You're knocking me down. You, well, you're doing better than me on Instagram. I mean, I, I, you know, maybe it's because you're so sexy. Yeah, hey, I got three people like accounts, the beard. They like that young Santa Claus look you got going on. That's what I got, baby. <laughs> it's a free, you know, it's. You just got to post, post, post. Yeah, you know, I post. I post like four times a day. How many times are you supposed to post? How many pictures am I going to take? I have no idea. I only post like once or twice a day. Right. I post like four times a day. I have somebody helping me, advising me on yeah. it now. I'm trying to be more curated. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, he knows he got this tweet. And I get it. I probably should have sent it at 7 o'clock. So, you know, if he gets back to me today, tell me next time you're on, I'll, I'll come on. I'll, I'll be happy. 100%. If he doesn't, you know, stop telling me you're a street fighter who's going to come take on my, Donald Trump when you won't even come take on me. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not nearly as mean. And I want to like Michael Avenatti. Yeah. I like that he exposed the Trump-Stormy Daniels relationship. I like mm-hmm. that he was right about Michael Cohen knowing about it and, the, and you know, the folk. I like all that stuff about him. I like that he takes on Donald Trump. I don't like what he did with Svetnik. And I don't like the idea of him being presidential nominee. But maybe he could convince me. I'm not completely against it. I'm just mostly against it. 
You know, if you think you're going to convince the nation, Michael Avenatti, if you think you're going to convince the nation to vote for you, you know, you need to get on the phone and convince me to vote for you. You need to make sure that, you know, this is not just some, you know, you know, easygoing, friendly audience, you know, Ari Melber on MSNBC at six o'clock kind of thing. I am a liberal and I am an influential liberal in this country. The Hollywood Reporter just did a story about me. Well, they didn't do a story about me. They did a story about somebody else and they quoted me, but I was in it. (laughs) I am not without influence, Michael Avenatti. It's a very specific influence, but I have influence. Especially in the state of New York where you're going to want to raise most of your money. So uh, if you think that you're going to run for president because you're the guy, the tough guy that could take on Donald Trump, be the tough guy and call into my show. Be the tough guy and call into my show and we'll work it out. I am going to be fair to you. I am going to give you an opportunity. I don't like that it came across that I was trying to call you a creepy porn lawyer. I wasn't. Sometimes you get, you know, lost in the segment. You, you know, uh, live TV is not easy. Not at all. You know, it's not, not like taped all. segments. I'm sure he said things on TV that were not factually correct. In the heat of the moment, things You're are right. said. I said we instead of they. I don't know. I don't think he's a creepy guy. He's got, he looks exactly like me. If he's creepy, I'm creepy. I have been recognized by people who think I'm him. <laughs> I had a woman come up to me in the Red Flame Diner on 44th Street in New York City where I go sometimes before Fox. Okay, if I'm in the city doing Fox, I don't want to spend a million dollars on dinner. I go to the Red Flame Diner. It's a it's like one of the last diners in Midtown Manhattan, regular old-timey diner. You know, 10 bucks, you get a decent meal. And a woman came up to me about a month ago and pointed at me and said, Michael Avenatti? <laughs> Are you Instagramming right now? No, I put up a, pulled up a picture of him and tried to right. do the I hair. Look just like him. <laughs> yeah, we have the same exact haircut. We're both kind of thin. Yeah, it's the, we we have a very similar look, especially when I'm in a suit. I'm not in a suit right now. No, you know. So if he's creepy, I'm creepy. I look just like him, and I don't like bald guys being called creepy just because they're bald. Okay, that's nonsense. We're not creepy. We're bald. We're follically challenged. So, yeah, I wasn't trying to call you creepy, but I was saying you're not going to be president. And then in that same tweet, you said I demeaned your client, which I never did. Never once. Not here on this show. Not on my, I don't know, 50 TV appearances I've done discussing Stormy Daniels over the last six months. I like Stormy Daniels. I saw him Bill Maher last Friday night. I think what she's doing is very brave. I support her efforts to expose this president for who he is, especially among those hypocrites on the religious right that are with this guy who have sold their soul to this man because he might give them some judges. They should never have been with him, ever. The fact that they sold out to him is amazing to me. And Mike Pence, I blame you most for that. You really sold your soul to the devil. You're going to burn for it. Anyway, 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. Got a little bit more time. At Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram. I'm trying to build up the Instagram, guys. I'm trying to build it up. I don't, I don't know if I... It's where all the kids are hanging out. I just... I'm not a kid. <laughs> so maybe I should just stick to Twitter. I don't know. But uh, at Christopher Hahn on 
the Instagram, uh, no, excuse me, at Christopher Hunt on Twitter, Christopher Hunt and Y on Instagram. And don't forget to check out the Chris Hahn Show podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud, the Chris Hahn Show podcast. Uh, it is uh, this entire show without commercials. If you miss a second, you miss a minute, you want to rewind. What did Chris really say? Maybe he said, we call you creepy porn lawyer. This is the place you could do it, Michael Avenatti. Uh, just download and subscribe. You'll never miss an episode. You can listen to it on the run. It's fantastic. Uh, this technology we live in, it used to be that if there was a radio show on, you had to tune in live or catch a replay because the show replays on, 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 this show, on this channel and on other channels around the country. But now you can just go to the podcast. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, the Chris Hahn Show podcast. Check it out. We think we got all the bugs worked out of it. Uh, if we didn't, shoot me a tweet at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. But that was my week in Twitter. Fighting with Michael Avenatti. Fighting with James Woods. Extra 150 followers. That's what it's all That's about. That's what it's all about. <laughs> My social media person's like, this is exactly what you want. What are you talking about? And I can't believe how many times we got went back and forth. Like, you know. Now I shot the to- clip at him, right? Yeah, okay. The whole clip of the show. I said, mm-hmm. I didn't say that. Here's the clip. He edits the clip to make it look like I'm making him look like an idiot and sends it back to me. <laughs> Clearly, he's got somebody monitoring his Twitter because he didn't do that himself. Yeah, There's no way he edited yeah. the tweet himself. There's just no way. Mm-hmm. There's no way that happened. And by the way, the Hollywood Reporter article was about a guy, a liberal leaving Fox. And they called me up and said, well, you're a liberal who's on Fox all the time. Uh, are you leaving Fox? Like, I'm not leaving Fox. I mean, look, I get it. They're saying they say things on Fox that drive me crazy, that I thoroughly disagree with, that disgust me. But I am reaching an audience of people who do not agree with me. And if I could change 1% of the minds that watch Fox News, I have done more than every single minute and hour on MSNBC ever will because they are watching people who are, they are talking to people who agree with them. And by the way, America and politicians out there, if you're only talking to people who agree to you, there's something wrong with you. I mean, that's my biggest criticism of Donald Trump is that he has never reached out to people who don't agree with him. He has only continued to throw red meat at that base of his. So how am I going to walk away from Fox News because I don't agree with them? They don't agree with me. And that there are some people on there that I find... Repulsive sometimes in the things they say. But, you know, it's a forum. It's an opportunity to talk to people who disagree with you. And I think it's something that we should all be taking. I think more liberals should be going on there, even if it takes away airtime from me. And I think more conservatives should be going on MSNBC and other liberal outlets. I I don't think we should stick to our own corners. This is the problem in this country right now. It's the biggest problem, if you ask me. Everybody has retreated to their own corner. Everybody only wants to talk to people who agree with them. That's why, like, I'm inspired by Andrew Gillum and Beto O'Rourke. I mean, Beto, particularly, is going to counties in Texas that haven't seen a Democratic statewide candidate probably in a generation. And he's asking them for their vote. And he's explaining why they should be you know, why they should vote for him. And he's not going to win those counties, more than likely, but he will do better in those counties than any Democrat ever has. And that's how it starts. 
you start a conversation with people who don't agree. That's why I call this uh, this show, the Chris Holland Show, the national conversation. I want to engage you in a national conversation. Fox News allows me to engage in the national conversation with people on the right. Not just the people on the show, but the people who actually tweet at me and uh, who I interact with on the streets. And I think it's important. Now, look, I don't like it when people tweet at me uh, racist, nasty stuff, or you know, they're going to beat me up if they ever see me. I, I get that a lot. Oh, if I ever see you, I'm going to punch you in the face. Meanwhile, everybody who I meet has been incredibly nice to me. But it's a form. It's an opportunity to talk to people who disagree with you. And I think we really need to do that. I think we need to be reaching out. You know, the election is six days from now. Six days. I think we have to have a moratorium on partisanship from, you know, November to January, where the President of the United States does not mention the word Democrat or socialist. And the Democrats don't mention Donald Trump and the Republicans till January. I don't think it's going to be possible. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to do it. I probably won't be able to do it. But we've got to be able, we've got to try to be less partisan and to calm things down in this country. The temperature has gotten very, very hot. And people are not comfortable with it. I know I'm not. And look, I think that this has not helped the president because it is the president's job to lead. It's the president's job when things get hot to cool things off. And he has failed. He has failed time and time again. It's not just this past week. I mean, look at the Charlottesville incident. He heated it up. He made it worse. He made this worse. I mean, I'm still blown away that when a Category 5 hurricane was literally hitting Florida... It was there. The president was at a political rally. Can you imagine if Obama or Bush had done that during a hurricane? The outrage? No, the president has to bring people together. He needs to calm things down. He, he needs to be actively engaged with America, Mike. He needs to be actively engaged with America, when there's a crisis, and he hasn't been. He's all about Trump all the time. And that's not helping. It's not helping anybody. Let me go to the phones. Let me go to Mike from Medford. Mike, you're on the air. Chris, Michael from Medford. What's up, brother? Not much, brother. How you doing? Pretty good. I was just calling. I want to know. I haven't saw you on... Um any of my late night shows on Fox, but do you blame? I want to know if you blame any of the media for the hostility that has, been, has ensued since his election, since uh, President uh, Trump was elected. I don't blame the media for the hostility. I blame the president for blaming the media. <laughs> I mean, the president has said that the media is the enemy of the people, and now media outlets are getting bombs in the mail 
from people who have, you know, Trump stickers on their van that they live in down by the river. I know, but you had supposedly paid protesters at his um, rallies. No, no, there are no paid protesters at his his rallies. That's nonsense. That's his... That's his race baiting with Soros, saying it's Soros, it's Soros. Give me a break. Who, who's going to pay? Know, but- Who are you going to pay to go to a, a, a rally? Look, 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 Mike, let, let me explain to you. If there was a paid protester to rally, uh, you know, I, I'm very tied into political operatives in this country. I would have heard something about this. I haven't. It's nonsense. I mean, tell me Antifa. Antifa, look, Antifa is a small group in Oakland, California, that the president and the right wing has made into a bogeyman because they need a bogeyman, Mike, because they're not going to run on any of your accomplishments because they don't affect you. You have not benefited from the tax cut. Neither have I. It's nonsense. If, you know, if everything they've done was so good, they'd run on their record. Instead, they want to they want to make you afraid of people coming over the border. They want to make you afraid of Antifa. They want to make you, you know, fear George Soros and Nancy Pelosi. I, I mean, if they could win on their record, they've had nothing but control for the last two years. They'd run on their record. They're not. I agree with you. The Republicans are weak and they are. And that is 1000 percent versus the Democratic side. The left is very cutthroat. And uh, I wish. Republicans would change, but uh, anyway. Well, Mike, uh, well, th- I'm wanted- up against the end of the show, but thanks for calling know, in. No. Thanks, man. I'll see you on Fox. Thanks, brother. brother. Be on tomorrow night. It's Thursday, Friday night, 631. Well, look, I can't take any more calls. I got 30 seconds left before the end of the show. But the election is six days away. It's your turn, America. I've done all the talking I could do about it here on this radio station. President is going to yell and scream for the next six days. Candidates are going to knock on your door. You're going to see ads, but it's your turn. Speak loudly. Elect people who will put a check on this president. All right. That's all the time I have for you tonight. I got to remind you all to seek the truth. Question everything and question everyone, especially the candidates asking you for your vote. You ask them if they're going to put a check on this president. Seek the truth, America. I know it's out there and I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Vote wisely, America. Have a good night. Spend our weekends in bed. We drink ourselves stupid. We work ourselves dead and all just because that's what mom and dad said we should do. Chris Hahn Show podcast is recorded live at 103.9 FM in New York at Long Island News Radio. This podcast was sent to Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Joe Tex. 
Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Peter Hargarden, the senior producer of podcasts here, and on behalf of everyone who worked on the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more about Chris and to find out about his upcoming television appearances, follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and at ChristopherHahn.com. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUStudios.com.